everybody welcome back to hey (laughs) (laughs) that was the worst ever no way (laughs) i have to keep trying things that's the whole point so okay that one just got tried and will never be done again it will never be done again check (laughs) the uh it had a good three second though how's my audio though did it come in clear did, it was aggressive. If only you knew someone who took time last night to shoot you a private video to describe oh, precisely how to do it. I did, and I counted it off. I did three whole seconds. Could, could, could you uh, reflect on the demonstration that I gave you, which had nothing to do with sipping in the coffee? It's true. It did have That's nothing true. to do with oh, So we're not going to get into it then? No, we won't get okay, into good. it. <laughs> All right. Maybe we'll try <laughs> that one another time another time uh what we will get into is making sure everybody hits the like button subscribes to the channel and hits the notification bell and on top of that <laughs> it is june still it is men's mental health month we are uh been talking about men's mental health throughout this whole month and this is the final day so tomorrow we're actually going to be going to do some other stuff uh we're going to be talking about some other stuff in different manners so um the <laughs> um if you have any questions or comments, please do put them in the comment thing. I just saw one and it totally threw my brain out. Oh, I know. And Sean's killing. It. He's I'm, dying. I'm, I'm dying. living it right now. <laughs> it's killing him. I can see it. Um, it is Men's Mental Health Month. So we have been talking about men's mental health. None of us are doctors. So do understand that anything we do talk about is our own personal experience. And it's not um, gospel by any means. So if at all you feel... Uh, triggered or agitated or unregulated by all means bounce out of here come back later or um, after you've talked to a friend or another doctor or something and are able to regulate and then you can join us again at any point in time and that is the entire preamble with extra um (laughs) almost a stand-up comedian show there stand-up comedian start there yeah and so salty hit us with this right off the bat okay this is killing the 90 second standard which 100 percent it is and carl said solid start (laughs) but uh the standard is as salty jinx knows the standard was never actually achieved so we didn't kill the standard we didn't even meet the standard so i have yet to meet the standard so i have oh no you have you have did I meet the standard at all? Did. You, think... you came just under the 90 second. You did a pretty tight one there uh, not too long ago. It was actually one of your best. Mm. That's why it's so hard for me to watch you slip so backwards. <laughs> it's been fun. Uh, so, Steve, we, yes. we also have a guest that we don't have to, uh, we don't have to continually harass Chance on his horrible openings, but uh, we can. We can if oh, you what? want. Like, uh, we're, I'm not harassing you. We're just having a bit. If anyone out there thinks I'm harassing Chance yeah. Earls, you should come over to the green room after oh we finish the uh, recording. Some, That's full-on frontal assault sometimes. There, so. There's some harassment there, yeah, for sure. <laughs> We're um, just having fun. Speaking of the green room, uh, Steve, one of the things you, you don't know you're a new... Um, new guest is that afterwards we usually sit and chat and we have kind of like once the live shuts down we're able to kind of hang out and chat and the green rooms get pretty interesting sometimes we get really deep philosophical thoughts and developments on what we were talking about other times it just gets downright silly and we're we have basically a stand-up comedy show (laughs) an improv show right there Um, and those are going to be starting to be available very soon because i found a way to actually record them and deliver Mm. them and all these things so the people that are watching can i uh, right now you will be able to subscribe i'm going to uh get that all set up for july so we have 
very soon it'll be open to the public that's kind of cool um i will say this that of course no one unless you've been on the show you have no idea what we're talking about in respect to the green room but like chance said sometimes it's a comedy act sometimes it's hardcore sometimes it's mega deep sometimes it's the best material we've put out that month yeah and so uh, there's a ton of stuff uh, with the guests that we've talked about that no one else has heard except sometimes just three or four or five people. Some of it's blown my freaky little mind uh, over in the green room. I've learned, I don't want to say I've learned more in the green room than I have in the live chats, but man, I've learned a boatload in the green room. Yeah, some days. Some days it's happened that way. Today, Chance Burles is going to learn some things. Oh, boy. It's, oh, uh, boy. <laughs> it's going to be very direct, let me tell you. Uh, Steve, <laughs> no, it ain't. why don't uh, you give us a quick 30 seconds, who you are, where you come from, how all that good stuff, let everybody know who you are. Sure, I'll try. I just realized, actually, uh, I put the uh, description of myself that is now showing on screen says salty old timer. And I was, uh, as a noob, I was not aware that that's where I probably should put my Instagram handle instead, <laughs> but uh, see, it's, it's the process of learning every single day. Um, my name is Steve Olson. I'm a teacher in the Langley school district, just for confidentiality reasons for anything that I may share um, about students. I'm going to kind of leave my school name out of it um, just at the request of the admin uh, in just trying to protect kids. For sure. uh, I've been a teacher in this building. This I just wrapped my 21st year. Um, we had kids finish last Thursday and today is the last official day in the building. And I have done a lot of different things in the building in 21 years, but most recently in the stuff I'm most proud of, I would say I was involved in the outdoor education program for eight years. Uh, I taught in what's can, we had a, a behavior resource program for, for vulnerable youth that I taught in for six years. Uh, I was part of running a historic backpacking program um, here that we do like a six day multi, uh, multi-day backpacking trip. Did that for 13 years. And most currently I've rebuilt the strength and conditioning program uh, here at Walnut. Ooh, I just about said the name. Gotta, let, gotta lay off that. Um, the strength and conditioning program. And that really is the impetus of how I got connected to Sean and how I got connected to Seb was uh, through my efforts to have youth connect with the idea of service and sacrifice. And mm-hmm. so I started running Murph here in our building. And uh, every November we do uh, Remembrance Day Murph. And then most recently, my students actually had the idea for our spring Murph to be on June 6th for D-Day. And so mm-hmm. that's something that I feel like is a, is a mission of mine is to try and bring this idea of you know, service and sacrifice and what that actually means. And and I can get into why I believe that education plays a critical role in that uh, because it really sure. is sort of the impetus of how all this got started for me. So yeah, yeah that, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. John, you got any questions right off the bat? No, I, I don't. Uh, that was well said, Steve. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so today uh, we are going to be talking youth mental health. And I think this is uh critical we did this as the last day of men's mental health uh, month due to the fact that this is i think where it begins if we can teach kids nowadays or teach kids at all how to manage themselves and how to set themselves up for success later on in life then we set everybody on a better path rather than trying to learn it when you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 and then you know going down the rabbit holes of that because it can be challenging to shift your ways when you're 60, 70 years into the past. So um, in terms of youth mental health, I'm going to, I know for my mental health when I was a youth, it's good. It was very different than my kids. 
because a lot of the things that I teach them, I've just started learning. <laughs> and so I'm trying to put them into practice and teach the kids as well, which is a, a bit of a challenge. Sean, what, uh, what are your initial thoughts on youth mental health? Because I know you had a couple. Yeah, that's, I do have a couple and it's not something that I've spent my entire life considering. Uh, unlike Steve, who's been in the game of uh, young minds, uh, mm -hmm. I have not. Uh, I have worked with young people, but not obviously to the degree that Steve has. So I'm not going to make direct comparisons between what he knows and what I know. I'm just going to give some casual observations. And those observations are based, of course, on my own two sons, but also generally or on a generalistic basis, their peers uh, or their acquaintances, if you will. And probably the finest uh, example of the point I want to make on uh, youth mental health is I got to see it just last weekend. And that was uh, our son, our youngest son. <clears throat> Keegan has just graduated grade 12 with a double dogwood diploma and honors, just like his brother who graduated the year before in grade 12 with a double dogwood diploma and honors. So both of our boys know the standard that I expect. They will exceed the standard if they have the opportunity, and they did. And so they turned out to be pretty good students. But from year to year, there was a marked, a significantly notable difference between the graduating classes. And the reason for that, I believe, is due to COVID. So my son's class that graduated last year weren't as impacted by COVID as our youngest son's class that just graduated this year. And uh, there's a whole variety of reasons for that between um, if, if anyone isn't familiar with the BC education system, how they decided to do it was, was take the normal teaching system and completely flip-flop it so it's really inconvenient for the students and really make learning a drag. And so for the two years that uh, my youngest son just came out of, it was a gong show for that graduating class in our region uh, of, uh, of the, inst or, uh, the education system. And so that played out with each one in that class, each person in that class. The comparative being this, when I watched last year's graduation class walk across the stage, it was a lot of notable performances. <clears throat> and, and by that, I mean high flyers. They were going to higher education. They were going to trade schools. They were going to, uh, they, it was STEM, so science, technology, engineering, uh, maths. So it was, it was a lot of focused, driven, educated kids. But this year that just graduated, just uh, last weekend, <clears throat> I want to say it was less than half, probably one third of the performance of the year before. A lot of kids taking, I'm going to say it, just going to take a gap year, going to figure myself out in a gap year. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that there was very little of that the year before. The bulk of the class that graduated was between trades and uh, higher level education of which there was a much smaller percentage, higher level education, and more so trades. I'm a fan of the trades. Going one year, two year, however long year program into the trades, it's sorely needed. It's a great career path. And in fact, I would put it to some degree, depending on the trade, as more important than going on to become a doctor or a scientist or what have you. There's a need for both for sure. 
I'm making the comparison from year to year, though. Last year's class was crushing it. This year's class, absolutely not. Mm. Steve, you got any thoughts? Yeah, there, uh, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. Um, and I think that uh, observationally, Sean is is not incorrect. I think that what we have is a historically we've always had like a real ebb and flow in grad classes in terms of sort of engagement. Um, that and that's one of the key pieces I want to talk about today is that it, is that the you know the the grad class of year before that was crushing it. Um, what was it about? those kids that they were what that was making them connected and i would argue our grad class this year i mean it is a general rule i would say there was a, a tremendous amount of kids that were just listless right i am going to push back disconnected a little bit the, yeah well and that and that really is it sean and that and that's when i hear that word it just like it fires me up because when we talk about youth mental health in general what we are speaking about is we're talking about self-awareness and we're talking about connection I, I like after 20 years in the hustle of working with every type of kid, the highest achievers to the to the, the, the most significant strugglers, their success or failure and failure is a bit of a gnarly word because at, at their age level, I don't think it's fair to say failure is where they're at, but their struggle is based on this idea of self-awareness. Like if a kid is graduating into the world with a poor sense of who they are, what they're capable of, what fires them up, what they like, what they don't like, they will struggle to connect with something to achieve for in the next phase of their life. Um, and, and, and really when you look at high school kids, like high school is such a microcosm in their world, but it feels so big when they're in it. And I would say one of the problems we have in education in our province, and I, I only speak for like my regionality of where I teach. I haven't taught abroad. I don't have that experience under my belt. But what we do is we make school feel so important that for a lot of kids who lack self-awareness or lack connection, it can overwhelm them into complacency and just, and we call it paralysis by analysis. Like if, if a kid is told that the end of their school career is coming and that is the most pivotal thing in their life at the time, but they don't have something that they've connected to or they don't have uh, any tools to navigate that feeling, then they'll just get frozen and they, they get frozen like deer in the headlights. And then that is a, that's a significant problem. Um, there's an educator that I heard years ago, and it's one of those ones that stuck with me. It's uh, Tom Shimmer said, stress and anxiety is what we feel when we don't have tools to handle something. Pressure is what we feel when we do have tools to handle something. And pressure is, is an incredibly good thing. It's a gift to us. Being a person who can handle and navigate pressure and, 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 and perform under pressure, that is something that the world needs a lot more of, in, in my opinion. And I mean, Sean, being in the service like you were and Chance being in the service like you were, like those are tremendous pressure, like pressure-filled environments. But in the hallways of our buildings, or at least my building that I, I work in daily, we're watching a, 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 a lot of people wilting under the pressure, right? And so my, my like model of teaching now is just, it, it literally is, guess what kiddos? There's tools all around you. Do you just know what tool you want to grab a hold of to get started? And that really is it. Like whether it's the most complex kid at a high end, the most complex kid at a low end, it's like, what is a tool that is in front of you that you are willing to pick up to try to use for yourself? That's, that, that, that's step number one. And then if they have one tool in their arsenal, then when they're put in that stressful or anxious situation again, 
now that doesn't feel so stressful or anxious, it feels a little bit more like pressure. And it's like, hang on a sec. I do, I can advocate for myself. I can take a step towards this. So for some of our kids who, who end up saying, okay, I'm going to take a gap year. Um, so I should take a step back. One of the courses I teach is called uh, capstone 12. It's a graduation requirement. Sean, your, your sons would have uh, most recently gone through it. And so right. that course is uh, it's kind of a two parter. There's CLC career life connections. And then there's their capstone, which is a 40-hour passion-based inquiry project where they get to choose anything they want. And then they have to commit 40 hours to executing on a plan, an inquiry, a plan, all of the process. And then they have to be able to present and demonstrate their findings. We've had versions of these grad requirements in years gone by. And a lot of them have just kind of been taken for, I don't want to say they've been taken as a joke, but I mean, I went through it when I was in high school and it was called CAP. And it was like, it was literally something that you just it was a box you checked but in this capstone model they actually can choose something that does fire them up and you would be amazed fellas how hard it is for a kid to pick something that they're passionate about like it mm -hmm. like some of my weaker students and i say weaker in terms of their connections it'll take them a full week to just decide on something that they care about and if you're in that position in grade 12 like that doesn't that to me is a bit of a red flag about them graduating in june and walking out into the world what do they have at the ready to handle what's about to come their way? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, uh, if I might, I'll use my boys as an example in respect to that capstone. In fact, I'll use the most recent example as our youngest son who completed his capstone. And uh, maybe we just run our program a little bit different in our house, but uh, the boys are like my youngest, he was already accepted into rural pre-medicine long before he had to do a capstone. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the capstone was to some degree irrelevant in respect to him sort of defining who he is as a, as a person. Uh, but uh, the capstone was going to get done irrespective of uh, how clearly defined he had his trajectory oriented. And so, you know, put him on task and said, well, what would you like to do? What, what would be interesting to you? how would you challenge yourself? And so what he got it into his head was he thought he'd uh, learn a musical instrument. Uh, he'd learn how to play the piano because he knows that, you know, when I, when I was young, I started playing the piano and I played it for a, about a decade. And, uh, and so he thought he'd crack that out. So we went down uh, and bought a really, really cheap uh, electronic piano. It was about 200 bucks. And, uh, uh, we still have it down the basement and he spent uh, the year just kind of uh, learning how to play piano and then recording videos of him, uh, how he was learning the process of learning to play the piano, turned it into his capstone project. And it was more about the um, learning a new skill rather than trying to figure out who he is as a kid. And so, you know, whether he plays piano as a doctor in the future that's not my concern. My concern as a parent is that he meets the task requirement of creating a capstone. And if he's got to do it, then it's going to be something that's going to improve him, not as a piano player, but as a human being. And so uh, the tasks that he was given in that project were to make him a richer person rather than just uh, a piano player, as it were. Yeah. And I think what, like what I'm hearing in that is, is just the fact that you even had those conversations with him about the process and about what he was doing. And, and that is a, in, in a very beautiful way, that is an exception to the rule of connection in our buildings nowadays, because 
there's a lot and yeah i won't i wouldn't have a stat to back it up but i know i had at least a dozen emails in my inbox from parents uh throughout the semester that were basically saying what is this capstone thing about and that's after we hosted a parent night explaining what it was that's sending all the materials home to the moms so we use what's called microsoft teams in our building mm -hmm. and that's like a portal that during the covid survival phase which i, I will characterize it as survival as a as a teacher, it was it was all hands on deck and let's how do we try to do something that has some value and we can get a little bit deeper into that if you'd like, whether we were effective or not, because um, that does come back to the connection piece. But the number of families and I'm not saying this in a disparaging way towards families at all, but the struggles that we're seeing in our kids and, the, and their lack of resilience or lack of grit, I believe, is directly related to the disconnection with moms and dads and caregivers or whatever the family dynamic looks like in the home. And one of the reasons I was excited to, to speak on the podcast is particularly in men, men's mental health month is that like as a dad of complex kids, I can't, it, it's like a deep feeling that I have that it's my job to be the best man that I can be to help these complex kids navigate a complex world. And so, Sean, I mean, obviously being a being having the depth and background that you have and the, and the level of, of precision and training that you've encountered, like it makes you the a, an incredible tool for those kids. And, and I, I, I imagine they do have gratitude for, for how lucky they are to have you as a dad because they don't people, know. Well, they do. They, 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 well, that they might yeah. not know how to communicate it yet. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, fair enough. Know, you know, fair and, enough, fair and, enough. You know, my dad set an incredible example for me. He's the hardest working man I've ever met. Um never went to university, but had an incredible trades. Uh, like I'm the only, the only uh, Wilson to go to university. And so in our family, it was just work hard, have a tremendous work ethic, make sure you take care of the people around you. And, you know, my brother went into the trades, my dad was in the trades and retired from the trades, like say a tremendous role model. But when it came to those ideas of higher education and how to pursue greater depth in terms of my own practice and like what I was curious about, my dad just said, you know, he didn't have the tools to say maybe what he could have said or should have said, but it was just like full support. Right. And it was like, go for it, kid. Like, if you want to do it, here's, here's how we can help you with that. And here's how we can't help you with that. And I mean, I had to work my way through college and university and through my grad program. And it was just like, there was no money. There was, there was obviously money. We were fine in our household, but there wasn't any extra money. And so like universities were working at the bike shop, in the afternoon and then working all summer doing construction. I had a buddy who would hire me in the summer for construction and then fire me as soon as September rolled around because he said, you've made enough for tuition, you need to go back to school. So I was very fortunate to have men around me that were mentors in all the ways that helped me achieve the things that I achieved. And sadly, I think that that's what I'm seeing less and less of in our high schools. And, and overarchingly, even though today is about youth mental health, man, I would love nothing more than the, for the men that are listening to this to just find a strong sense of self so that you can connect with your kids, right? Because that that's, that's what they long for so badly is connection. And if that gap has gotten quite wide, like when I'm having conversations with parents and parent-teacher interviews and there's a struggling situation, I'll ask a dad, do you know what the top five kids or top five songs on your kid's iPhone are? If you can't answer that question, then you need to sit down and you need to start working on how you're going to make a connection with that kid. Because as much as we like, my son is a, my son's a funny Sean's met my boy. And as he's maturing, he's, he's just the coolest little critter. And 
what I do is every night of bed, we lay down and I'm just laying there and we're just talking about the day, talking about what his favorite songs might be that week because it changes because kids adapt and change so fast. And if I don't work hard to stay current with him, then I'm afraid because I know by experience that that gap will widen to a point where it will be a real challenge to try and close it up. Right. And so for, for any of our listeners, it's just really, really work on yourself so that there's something that your kid will look at and go, Oh man, I can connect with that. Or, Oh, I see that he's tried five different things. Like I, if I'm being totally honest, I started Brazilian jiu-jitsu about four months ago after Seb, Seb and I talked quite a bit about it. And um, I just, I've had this curiosity about it. And for me, in my life, I've always found a way to engage with the curiosity. I've made, I've just made the time to do it. And after my first night, I have never felt like I am worse at something than I am at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It uh, is. No, you'll, yeah. you'll feel that again. Yeah, it it'll happen again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you, you, you think you felt worse. Oh, you're going to feel more worse. So it is like, and so I went home and, and my son, his name's Gus and Gus goes, dad, how is Jiu-Jitsu? And I said, well, bud. I said, I got myself into something that I'm going to have to spend a lot of time trying to get through, you know, and it's just this process of showing him that, hey, on on Wednesday nights, dad goes to jujitsu and it's like, you know, I got my first stripe the other night. So that was that was, hmm. you know, Congrats. Was, I, yeah, thank you. It was it was a, it was a surprise. And. I, yeah, I wasn't expecting and Listen, we're all, all surprised but... as well. Don't even like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's just show, you know, for anybody who's who's got a curiosity, just find a way to dip a toe into it because it it, it does do a lot for our kids that are watching us. And, that, and that's regardless of age. Obviously more impressionable when they're younger. Um, yeah. I think it has a, a different impact, but as they get older, they're still watching and they're still out there. You know, they're Absolutely. looking for us to be the role model for them, for sure. 100%. John, you got a thought? Yeah, you, you said a few things, and I was making comparisons uh, uh, to how I run my program. And uh, to your point, you know, uh, every night there's, I mean, there's hardly, ever, unless I'm out of country or something like that, there's not been a time when every night, and my boys are now 19 and 18 years old, that I go upstairs and tuck them into bed. We, we I have a secret handshake with each boy, and it's a different secret handshake. Yeah. And that's our deal, man. Every yeah. single night I say good night to my boys. I give them a hug. I give them a kiss as freaking grown men. Yeah. And that that is something that shouldn't change, I feel. Like, how old is a kid? How how old are you supposed to stop doing that? Like when they're 12, when they're 16? When, when do you stop doing that? 44. <laughs> right. So so I'll do it until it's uncool for them yeah. for me to do it. And yeah. so that's the first piece. It should never stop. And the second piece is. You know, to lead by example uh, is probably the most powerful way that you can encourage your kids to be more awesome. Mm -hmm. And they need mentors. They need someone to, quote unquote, look up to. And, and, and it's hard. Like, I don't think my kids look up to me. I don't. But what I do believe is that uh, the lifestyle that I, I lead, uh, or more correctly, I'll, I'll retract that, the lifestyle that we lead as a family encourages them to really step up their game and be more awesome as it were. And so the, the outcome, our two boys are a result of us as a family running a not average program. They, the boys have become what they are because they can look not just to their parents as uh, high performers, but our friends our acquaintances, our mm -hmm. high performers. And what do I mean by high performer? I mean, above the standard, above the norm, 
Um, the the norm, as I see it, uh, the the average performance, I don't feel is enough. And why do I say that? Because if we if average is is the high watermark, then it's easy for a large chunk of society to be below the high watermark. And now what? We're below average. So my I was taught this. The, the standard is the standard and you either meet it or you exceed it. I was never told you let it slip. So that's the choice that our boys have been given is meet the standard or exceed the standard. And they have exceeded the standard. And how did they do that? Well, to make the comparison between the two classes, two graduating classes, last year, that class had mentors because it was a normal school year. My son, who was in grade 11, could look up to the grade 12s and see, okay, I get how that works. And then he graduated. So this year, our son that just graduated, he didn't have grade 12s to look up to because the school was not in school. Mm. And so when that class, the, the class that just graduated this year, when that class graduated, they were graduating looking for mentors that weren't there. Mm. So then they were looking at each other as mentors and therefore the standard that they were striving for wasn't there. So it was only themselves to maybe struggle out a standard and not enough people were striving high enough to set the tone for an aggressive trajectory on exceeding the standard. Yeah, I don't think mentorship can be understated. I think I think mentorship in a lot of in a lot of forms, whether it's peer mentorship or or adult mentorship, coach mentorship, there's there's a lot of different versions of it. It is the most critical critical piece to the puzzle. Like I tell every new like I mean I meet new kids every four months because we switched to semesters as a result of COVID. So I meet get to meet about 170 to 200 kids every four months, new ones. And I tell them on day one, like, I'm going to be better at caring about you than I am going to be teaching you. Right. And that automatically disarms the ones that are not wanting to be there. And for the ones that are more academically focused or higher achieving in that regard, um, what I have found experience, like just through experience is that those kids have been driven really hard because of standards and somewhere on the back end, there hasn't been enough feeding of their soul. And so like we, we work on three models in my classes and that's mind, body, spirit, mind being your mental, emotional health. Your body is, does it give you access to the things that you're curious about or love? And then spirit is how you feel about self and how you feel about others. Like that's it. Those are the three, those are our three pillars across all of my classes that I teach. And we, we, we interact with it every single day. And it's like, if you can say that you are doing a little bit of work or you're getting some mentorship about each one of those elements, at the end, you get a kid that's pretty self-aware of A, where they're at, B, whether they have the support externally to reach for that higher standard or to exceed it, like to reach or, to or exceed. And then you've got a kid who's hungry to own their success. Because a lot of kids, from my experience, their parents are driving the, the ship, right? Like the kid doesn't have a lot of ownership of their success. And when you when you have the opportunity to sit them down, and and that's where all of my outdoor ed experience. Like when you take a kid into the woods for six days with a backpack on and they've never done anything like it and they have that meltdown on day three because it's been raining for the first two, their pack is heavy, they haven't packed effectively. Like when you walk alongside them in those moments, 
and you just get, you don't you don't fix it for them. You just give them the opportunity to sit with you and say, hey, you know what? I've been in your shoes. Let me share with you what I've learned about X. And then the next day they 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 come to you with the, hey, have you ever, do you have any experience with Y? You know, and then that now that door is open because there's been a connection made. Mm-hmm. And that's where the mentorship piece for for our listeners, it's like find a way to connect, find a way to offer something. And then A, it'll fill your bucket, it fills you up. But B, you're 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 starting to build a relationship with somebody who is then going to build a relationship with somebody else. And to me, that really feels like the spirit of the collective overall. It's like, how do we all get better at this together? And then how do we bring our youth up alongside so that then they will perpetuate the stuff that we're working so hard to put out there in the world? And I, and I think mentorship is, is mission critical. It really, is. And it sounds like uh, the process that you had in place or have in place, the the program, we'll call it, sounds to be uh, amazing, mm. but uh, neither of my boys participated in said amazing program. Right. Maybe it's really unique to your town, your city, your yeah. your special little uh, part of the world, which is not right. normal. Right. And so uh, that's fantastic for the uh, 140 kids or so yeah. every four months. Yeah. And so maybe there is 400 kids a year that have an awesome opportunity to become awesome. Yeah, that is not the norm. The norm is looking to the left and right and hoping that kid to the left and right is just a little bit better than the kid who's looking to the left and right. So they've got something to strive for. And that is the norm. And that's where I see things falling apart. Because to your point, Steve, if there is no program in place, which there wasn't or isn't, except in your cool little part of the world, um, then what? Then what does a kid do If, if they're not getting mentored at home? Now what? Well, and that, I, that's a big question and it's a big answer, but, um, and this is going to self sound self-fulfilling for, for my, like, but that's not my intention, but my intention is like to do things like this, I feel is the start, right? Like, you know, Seb and I have been working with the mental health walks. Now we, we had our 34th mental health walk on Sunday and we had, we had a reasonable turnout, you know, uh, a chunk of regulars, but we also had a couple new ones. And to me, it's like, I live by the model of like a spark starts a fire and it, it, it really has to be that way. And so this is where the idea of men's mental health, I think it's really interesting too, because for those that have navigated a path and, and I've had, I won't say I've had mental health. I mean, I see my counselor once a month. Um, he and I work on, we just do the work. Right. And, and I'm a big, big believer in just doing the work. Because as an adult and as somebody who's in front, you know, forward facing, I'm front side focused in front of kids. It's like, if I say things to kids, it's my job to make sure I'm doing what I'm saying. And that's 100%. that I can't for anybody who's in front of anybody, just make sure that you are, you're not just talking it, you're walking it. Like you have to do it. You know, I walked a grade 12 boy down to the counselor's office and he did not want to go, but he needed, it was outside of my wheelhouse of expertise. I, I didn't have the tools to support him. So under that pressure, I did have another tool to reach out to. And so to walk that walk with him and then we we're sitting there waiting for the counselor and he, you know, it was a tough day for this kiddo. And he looked at me and he's like, well, do you go to counseling? And I was actually proud to be able to say like, yeah, man, I do go. You know, I have been in situations and I've been in places where my feelings haven't been positive and I haven't been able to navigate them on my own because there was too many different, uh, too many levels of distraction that I wasn't, ha- I wasn't able to see it with clarity. And so 
I just went and found a dude and I sit down with my dude now once a month and we navigate and I always feel better about it, you know, and it's not weakness. It's not weakness at all. It's, it's, it's scary. Like I'll, I'll say it's got elements of fear to it, but the reality is, is that if you take that step, you will take another. And then if I can say to that kid, Hey man, I took a step, you can take this, then he will take another. You know, for us in the, in the education hustle, losing a kid to mental health is is really, really hard. But it's, I mean, I'm at nine in my career now. I've lost nine students to mental health related or substance substance related issues um, over my career. And, and each time I'm not surprised. Um, and, you know, salty old timer, as I had written in there earlier, like I do get a little less affected perhaps by those losses because they're they just happen all too frequently and and th there's an argument i had an opportunity to um i happened i had an opportunity to present to an audience um in a ted talk setting and it was just like as i was narrowing my focus on my talk and what i actually wanted to say because you know you get your shot you take it right but then at that level you're thinking okay well how big is how what's the scope and sequence of my audience well it's got potential to be large if people connect with the idea right but like to sit in the pocket and have to actually put it on the line. It's like, it, it helped me, it helped me find focus in what I wanted my, like my mission to be moving forward. And that is creating opportunities for kids to connect because in this world, we say kids haven't changed, right? Like parent teacher interviews, there'll be a dad come in. Um, and because we're talking men's mental health, I'll focus on the male side of the equation. Um, I mean, moms are obviously mission critical too, but like a dad will say, well, man, kids have always been kids. I couldn't disagree more. I, I think that the exponential change in the last nine, 10 years, um, for a whole variety of reasons that we can get into if you want, um, but kids have changed. And the level of, of evasion that kids have the ability to do on the daily, on the weekly, on the hourly, on the minute, they can escape whenever they want to. All they have to do is look at that device in their pocket and they can go anywhere they want. Right. And that that to me is something that is that is is really unique and really um, problematic in, in our current situation. And I'm pro tech, like just so you know, I don't have a cell phone ban policy in my classroom. We have a responsible use policy and the kids create it. I open up the floor on day two and it's just like, OK, because I do my intro stuff. And then day two, it's like, OK, kiddos, how are we going to navigate the tech? How are we going to navigate this? And the kids are quite democratic about it, believe it or not. And then we come up with a set of rules. And if it's community driven, if the kids have say, if their voice is in the mix, then if I have to drop a hammer, then it's like, hey, th these are your rules, right? They have ownership of it. They have some ownership and that's exactly yeah. it. And then they actually are able to apply some pressure to each other, right? As a community. They can maintain a standard, yeah, yeah. I yeah, like that. That, that to me is, is super important because as, as much as we want to drive this, it's, it's happening so fast and coming at us so furious that we really need to involve the kids in the, in the solution, like the solution creation. It just has to, you For know, sure. chat GPT. That's a great example. AI coming into the classroom now. It's, it's a thing. And they, <laughs> if you're transparent about it, the kids will tell you they yeah. really will. I said, Hey, how many of you use chat GPT for this assignment? You're not in trouble. Just need to know, you know, 70% of the hands go up. Got a funny story for you. Hit me. So, as I said, uh, our our son uh, just graduated, and uh, during the ceremony, the valedictorian uh, got up in front of the uh, 
that the masses, there was quite a lot of people there. And he started putting out the, one of the best speeches I've ever heard. It was like straight up legit. It, if, if, if that would have been recorded and then put out to the YouTube, it would have been like Admiral McRaven good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it was strong, man. It was, cool. it made me sit up and go, now that is legit. And I wanted to know more about the kid. And uh, so I, I, I asked my son, uh, hey, uh, what's with the valedictorian and blah, blah, blah. What's his background? And as it turns out, he he'd been following me on IG for a while. And uh, and so he's a friend of my son's. And, you know, leading up to the speech, uh, my son had been asking me, hey, dad, you know, what's what's important for kids uh, when they leave high school? And I just hit him with all my standard issue stuff, you know, leadership by example, improvise, adapt and overcome all the usual stuff. And uh, so what those two little guys did was they put their heads together with chat GPT mm. 4.0 and put out the best speech I've ever heard. It's incredible. And, and like I was listening to it and I, and I thought, what is someone reading my mind right now? Mm. Is someone like, did I give this speech in the past? Like it was killer, man. It was a, it was a speech that I wish I could have given at some point in, in my history. Yeah. Uh, but that's what's happening. But ChatGPT is a positive and a negative because Absolutely. if the ChatGPT speech isn't shaped correctly yeah. by the right person, then it is not a positive, it's a negative. But to some degree, ChatGPT right from the get-go is a bit of a hack. It's a bit of a shortcut. Yeah. If a kid is given a task like write a valedictorian speech, you should start writing it to some degree before you open up your laptop and start typing in chat GPT 4.0. Yeah. You've got to get your framework, your ideas in place rather than what's the best valedictorian speech in the world, enter. Yeah. And, and then sit back and not sweat a little bit. To well, do well in life, you've got to be able to sweat a little bit and then you've got to be able to shape the sweat a little bit and then you've got to pre present it to the world while you're still sweating a little bit, I yeah. believe. Have either of you seen the film? Um, it's on Netflix currently. It's called Stutz. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, like I showed that film to um, I show, showed that film to all my classes, actually, this second semester. And it was really interesting that the kids connected that, like he said, that there's three certainties in life pain, uncertainty, and constant work. Like those are the three things that are constant in our lives daily. Like, you know, there's going to be pain, you know, there's going to be uncertainty, and you know, there's going to be constant work. So then how do you gear yourself up and lace yourself up to be able to navigate that on the daily, right? Because ChatGPT can't take that from you. And that's unfortunately, I think what happens is, is, you know, um, my son's a good example. Like he's, he's uh, just wrapped up grade six and it, he had an assignment due and he went to his group chat because I was watching him. He didn't know I was watching him. And he went to his group chat and in the group chat, he said, has anybody got the answers to this assignment? Right. And that's terrible. Like, I mean, because that he's not, he's using a tool, but he's using it so ineffectively and taking such shortcuts that I just basically, I let him do it. And then because I wanted to be able to like have the conversation with him about what does that do to your man's soul? Like, how does that feed your man's soul to take the shortcut? Right. And if you catch him in the middle of it, it's like, well, he's embarrassed and maybe there's, you know, some feelings of guilt, but I want him to actually get it done and then have the conversation about, dude, the product is not a representation of who you are. The product does not have any of your spirit attached to it. If anything, it damaged your spirit because you took the path of least resistance. And we had that conversation and it was, you know, made him redo the work because he, he didn't earn it. 
but for the high schoolers and and the kids of that age that are just like they're out in the world essentially navigating on their own it is they will take the path of least resistance and that's a that's a great uh, that has gives me a great deal of concern a lot of worry about that one yeah well there are two responsibilities in that moment as a parent there's two things that you're explaining you're explaining that shortcuts suck mm. and the other thing you're explaining is and the moment that you shortcut and normalize it, it makes it okay for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And then as a, as a hive mind, you're all hacking life. Mm -hmm. And you pay now or you pay later. That's just the way it is. Well, that's a really great point, Sean. Like you know? they, they are, they're, 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 their first step is to how, how can I hack this? That is the first step that we see in high school on the daily. And that, that to me doesn't do anything for for them over and because you're right. Where will it catch you? It will catch you at some point. Like I had, I had a student. This uh, I was very rarely in my career do I have a kid that I'm glad to see go, right? Because I try to find good in all kids, and there is good in all kids. And I'm not don't you know? Maybe that was a bit salty, but this kid and I were we had not navigated the road very well. And the only thing I could think to say to him was, "Kiddo, you need to get out in the world, and you need to get slapped down a little bit." Because all the shortcuts and all the all the weasel stuff you're doing here, it's just go. Obviously, you're not going to learn from us. So get out there, and you'll be back. And you and I will have a conversation when you're 22, and life has served you up a little bit, right? And some kids, unfortunately, they do need to learn a hard way, right? We try our best to hit them before they have to learn the hard way, but the reality is, some of them do need to have a real life experience that rattles their cage. And then the key is, can we have enough grace? after those moments to be able to navigate the damage control with them regardless of how much damage has been done to us and i think that's a piece with adults like they we have a responsibility to not take things super personally when it comes to youth because they're just finding their way right and we all were buffoons sorry i, I shouldn't speak for you fellas but i'm going to assume there was a chunk i don't know of i was i've there stated was categorically that when i was in high school i was right. a skinny underperforming kid right. i'm surprised i got to where i am today it's at that point, I did not ever think that I'd be here. That's for sure. Yeah, I was right? exactly and, the same. So, yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, the, the crux is, is how do you, when somebody makes a mistake and then has something bad happen to them, instead of saying, I told you so, or instead of letting them sit in the pain and, and letting them sit in the pain a little bit is okay too. But as long as you have a strategy of how you're going to help them navigate that, right? Because damage for damage sake, um, the I told you so's, that very much limits the growth potential of a person for sure right because you can let them sit in the pain but then helping them navigate the after okay like you got your ass handed to you you made a fool of yourself you caused some damage now how are we going to resolve this what is the restitution model how are we going to how are we going to weaponize you in a positive way to now take what you've learned from this mistake or this damage and put you out front to make things better like that's that's one of my that's one of my missions daily. It's like you do wrong, you make it right. Right? That's, good way that's to do the it. hard stuff. The gap between collective hive mind making yeah. mistakes and then a kid leaves high school mm -hmm. and gets the correction, you know, pay now, pay later. Maybe at 22, they get slapped upside of the head with the harsh lessons of now you get to realize how you were doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is. The hive mind never experiences that. They never get to see the correction at 22. As 17-year-olds, yeah. hacking, 
their way to the outcome of barely getting through high school. Yeah. No one sees the outcome, the fallout of the hack. And teachers aren't obligated to demonstrate that that's not the right way to do it because your only job is to try to manage the carnage of the next year. All those new 17-year-olds. Every year that a new 17-year-old comes along, your only job is the now. You're not focused on the 22-year-old, the 27-year-old. The fallout of not managing the now is never discussed. It's the one-offs of, I hope someday he comes back and explains to me that he's doing a whole lot better. It'll be a positive message only to you and maybe to some friends that you, you tell. But the hive mind never hears that. The hive mind never sees the collateral damage of two, three, seven years later. Well, I'm going to push back a little bit on that because I wonder if that's necessarily true in the world. So their technological world, they're connected to through social media. There, there is an unprecedented amount of access to the, to the hive after the fact. And it's when they form these little social groups in our buildings now, it's because very often it's there's there's they build these hives because of discomfort. They will find the, the discomfort and the dysfunction will find itself within its buildings. It just does. We have this phenomenon right now in our building of our gender neutral bathrooms. So imagine a single seater bathroom with a lockable door. OK, we've got this phenomenon right now of our grade nines, um, which, by the way, for anybody listening, if a, if a if a kiddo makes it through grade nine with solid roots and a solid set of skills, from my experience, they're going to be okay. Grade nine is that really, really pivotal year where they start finding boundaries and they start seeking out what group they're going to ride or die with. I mean, you'll notice that's on my shirt. Like my shirt says ride or die right on it. I've got a four foot sign in my gym that says ride or die on it. Because that to me is like, if you build a connection that's worth ride or dying for, that's a beautiful thing. Some of my, I mean, the greatest experiences in my life have come from doing them with really great people. But if those people don't have your best interests in mind, or if they're not growth oriented, then that can be incredibly destructive as well. And so our grade nines now are sitting in the lockable bathrooms in groups of five or six, sitting on the bathroom floor, eating their lunch. Like that is almost the hive at its worst because None of them are willing to step in and say, does anybody realize we're sitting on a bathroom floor eating lunch beside the toilet, right? And what is what is missing from these kids that they feel like that's where they need to be? Like that's their sense of safety, right? Like th- like we have some big, big ticket items that we are, are starting to encounter, but the hive will stay together in its dysfunction after they graduate and leave our buildings because they can just look at their TikTok or they can look at their Snap or they can look at whatever whatever tool of the day is is popular and in a really kind of troublesome way it keeps them together because they then don't have to reach out so much because those comforts of the dysfunction are always there right when you see a, when you see youth on the sky train or the bus or in your travels and they're just staring at their phone it's like is what is on that phone is it a tie to something at home is it a tie to is it a tie to the hive that should be broken or is it something that they're using to grow and 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 move beyond? I I would argue strongly that it's probably still a tie to that high, right? I say it to my grade 12s. I say to them, you haven't met your best friend yet, you know, and they don't yeah. believe me. And I'm like, they're out there. You just haven't met them yet. This little microcosm, you know, you'll stick together kind of digitally, but it won't be real, right? That's the problem. Yeah. Well, you did push back and, and I appreciate the spirit of your pushback. You're right. However, just a little bit of nuance. Uh, I kind of disagree with what you stated because, uh, you know, uh, as the group, 
uh, holds itself accountable within its hive mind, and then everyone graduates and moves on their all, all their little different vectors. The kids that aren't performing, you've got friends that already do it, Steve. They make their lives look great on the IG. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was it's, thinking. It's super sexy mm -hmm. as they're failing miserably. Mm -hmm. So I will push back on your pushback. Yeah, because okay. I don't think you're correct. That's okay. That's well, and Seb, Seb brought it up on one of the. Sorry, Chance, go ahead. No, you go. Your word, man. I was just saying, um, Seb said something recently, and I won't recall. I think it was on a, like an Insta clip that I saw, and he was talking about the perception, the perception of reality, right? But the perception is is what is what is feeding that mental health element now, right? Like, there is a kid in our building who who made some hard choices for themselves because a photo of theirs didn't get enough likes or enough likes is what they thought it should get. And, and I mean, it's, it's a literal disconnection from reality because what they are perceiving as important and what they're, but when perception turns into actual feeling, that's a, that's a, that's a slippery slope. That, yeah. that makes me concerned. It hundred percent is now any other thoughts on that? I have some comments and some questions here. We don't have a ton of time, but Got any thoughts? And, and we barely touched youth mental health. Barely I know. I, felt yeah. like I'm really, I, I actually, Sean, I actually very much had that thought, and I've been like tap dancing, or not? I've, I'm, I've been purposely speaking about it's it. It's a good dance. Like really You've got, got a good dance going, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a great Thank dance. You. The, you know, the thing is, that everything we've talked, everything you guys have talked about so far, is that it it is in line with what it is. Some of the issues, mm -hmm. right? And I was thinking about this earlier was the fact that uh, a lot of these issues are from my generation. Right, the kids that grew up in the '90s with technology, finding the hack or finding the secret or finding the cheat or finding the little the shortcut—that was part of the culture. That was Correct. us growing up in the '90s and 2000s. It was all it was all about as technology advanced was how to utilize that in order to shortcut something so that it made it easier for everything else. And it played out through school. It's played out through the, the kids, the, the kids up to, you know, 20 year olds that are just graduating now, like you're uh, not like your kid, Sean, but like the uh, vast kid. average of kids around there. Right. But that generation now that is the that's life. That's how they view life is. How do we shortcut this? How do I get through this the easiest way possible? And I mean, my kids do it as well. I'm trying to change that because a few years ago I was I was doing the same thing. I was looking for those shortcuts. I was looking for those hacks. I was looking for those little um, ways to make it easier for me to achieve the same success as somebody else who's done more work. Now I've changed my ways <laughs> quite a bit and I am now working to get the success and I'm hoping that I'm not hoping I'm allowing my children to see that That's they're great. seeing the work and now they're, they're slowly changing the way they were doing things, but it is a, is a large cultural issue, I think. And it's more than just, you know, hey, we need to look after these kids' mental health. It is we all need to start freaking getting to work yeah. and picking up the pace, as Sean likes to say. Yeah, and you know, the uh your it's I'm I'm not throwing technology under the bus. I'm not throwing chat GPT 4.0 under the bus. I freaking love tech mm -hmm. and I love chat GPT. I used to be a computer system engineer, so I ain't afraid of the tech. It's your friend as long as you're using it wisely. But if if you're engaging in technology from, from a position of laying on your couch with your feet up while you're casually watching Netflix and doing your homework, that ain't using tech appropriately. Yeah. Turn off Netflix, sit up properly, get on the chat GPT 4.0 and get to work and get sweaty. 
while you're getting to work. So it ain't, it ain't good enough nowadays to get your answer because you can get your answer from if a, if a teacher challenges you with a question, you can have the answer that will blow that teacher's mind in 12 seconds with chat GPT 4.0, but that ain't the work. You're not trying to impress the teacher. That's easy nowadays. Impress yourself. So spend the time to dive deeper than you ever thought possible into the subject at hand that you've been challenged with to freaking crack it out of the park with a deeply considered answer that no one on the planet has ever heard before. That's how you use your time wisely with the technology nowadays. You could write a PhD dissertation in a day if you dive deep enough with some considerate thought unique to you thought it will blow people's minds but what won't blow people's minds is if you spend 12 seconds every day hacking the system until someone forms a pattern on you and thinks you're cheating mm -hmm. you're only cheating yourself but the moment that someone recognizes you for a hacker for the the short hacks well, that's what you'll get labeled. Don't be labeled as a shortcutter. Treat yeah. yourself accordingly. Have some respect for your work ethic and dive deeper than anyone has ever dived before on the subject. It's funny. We were, uh, my boys and I were talking about this at the table the other day. We were talking about etiquette, actually, like being able to sit up straight, being able to eat at the table, being all these things. And one of the things that I, uh, I brought up was like, if you have your face three centimeters from that plate and you're shoveling food into your face do you would you want to eat across from somebody that looks like that and he was like no I'm like then why are you doing it he goes, yeah oh i'm like so you have to hold yourself to a standard that you want how do you want people to perceive you and if that standard is a slob that's not hard to do what it is hard to do is uh, you don't impress yourself as you said <laughs> as you said sean is you should be putting yourself into a position where you have to work to look up to yourself and be like, you know what? I upheld the standard. I exceeded the standard. Dang right. Now the standard is where I'm sitting. Come get me. Well, Agreed. one thing that education does is we, we use this word accountability so much, right? Mm -hmm. Like we want kids to be accountable. We, we want everybody to be accountable. But I've, I really have come back to this a lot in my practice. And I brought it up on the mental health walk too with, with our adult walkers. And that's, accountability is a feeling right you want somebody to feel accountable but to be responsible responsibility is action right like we can't just get we to me i feel like one of our elements of the mission is that we just can't get people to feel accountable we have to actually get them to be responsible for themselves for others for their families for their communities and responsibility is action so what can you feel and then turn into one actionable step right if you do one actionable step that feeling of responsibility is going to make you take another because it feels good. Yeah. Right. Like it's really hard to do something awesome. And then like I, I, Sean, I heard your clip about the, the suck club the other day and it, it resonated very, very well with me. Right. Because it's like, guess what? I don't want to be a part of your suck club. And I don't really think that it's ideal. I think that everybody has the ability to feel something and then take accountability into responsibility. And I, I, I would love to see all the adults around me, and do that for themselves. But then the impact it'll have on our kids, come on. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and I think that I agree with you to some degree, but I'm being a little pedantic now in the sense of, I think that mm, holding yourself accountable 
is not an action. It's more of a, a concept or a consideration. Mm. But me holding you accountable, that's an action. Mm. So you can mm -hmm. hold yourself accountable as a concept. Yep. And then through responsibility, blah, blah, blah. But for me, if I know I'm going to hold someone accountable, it's now an action. And it starts like this. Hey, Steve, pick up the freaking pace. Yeah. So um, I think that there is external accountability that is a physical action to some degree. It's a great point. It's a great point. You're right. There's also uh, the other side of it is that it's a lot easier to hold others accountable than it is to hold yourself accountable. It is. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so it's real easy to point a finger at somebody and say, yeah. pick up the pace. But there's, it's a lot harder to look at the mirror and point it at yourself and say, pick up yeah. the pace, man. Because Yeah. And, and you know, uh, there's accountability in that sentence. So if someone... Uh, points their wags their finger at me and says pick up the pace i get to i get to look at that person and think who are you to tell me to pick up the pace i'm about to hold you accountable on the there statement you that yeah. you just dropped on me and guess yeah. what if that dude can hold me accountable well now we're super clear yeah but no one gets to wander around the world saying pick up the pace pick up the pace pick up the pace and they've never picked up the pace themselves if oh. that's the person that's yelling pick up the pace from the sidelines guess what? I'm holding them accountable. You said, what? Come on yeah. over here and I'm going to explain, pick up the pace to you. Hang on. Yeah. Well, we had an entire show on that actually at one point. or not true. an entire show, but a chunk of it was on the concept of pick up the pace being the mm -hmm. fact that it's catch up, not you go faster. It's let's mm -hmm. go. Yeah. It's, uh, it's catch up and pass me. Yeah. That's all I want. Now yeah. I have, uh, we are over an hour here and I got yeah. some, uh, some good comments that I wanted to hit on and we got one really solid question that I think if we can hit quickly, yeah, do it, buddy. we will. Okay. So right off the bat, uh, we got, uh, Patrick, I saw you. We just <laughs> didn't get to you earlier. Good morning. Uh, Carl says when my little brother graduated last year, I noticed that not a single student wanted to pick up a trade. Sadly, many of them were convinced that video games are everything. Um, Salty Jake says, Steve, as a father of a boy going into high school seven hours away, where do you see the biggest place to invest in my boy outside of being available every day and supporting his growth and time together? That's a, that's a terrific question. Um, I feel like the best place to invest is like that concept of the mind, body, spirit. Check in on that boy on all, like set a framework that you two agree upon. Like just for me, mind, body, spirit is what works for me. I'm not saying it has to work for, for anybody else, but if you and your boy figure out a framework that you can touch base on, on the daily, that is holistic. It's like, yeah, I want to know about school, but I also want to know about how you're feeling about things. Um, have you got a girl or, or, or a fellow that you're interested in or whatever, whatever he's into, right? Like make sure that you're checking in within a framework that both of you agree on so that it's quick check-ins and they're well-rounded holistic check-ins. I'd say that's like, that's yeah. So that way, you know, on the daily that all of him is, is in a, and is in a healthy situation as opposed to just drilling one element of it without checking in on the others. That's a good point. John, I'm you glad you chose that uh, as the answer, Steve. And I know there's many other answers you could have given in respect to that, but I'm glad you chose that one. Cause I feel like, well, I certainly glossed over it to some degree as uh, to me, it was a knock it out of the park moment. The, the moment that you said those three words and, and uh, again, the students in your district are lucky to have you shaping those three pillars as critical elements of life and critical elements of daily conversation. And till the day you die, you should be thinking about those three things. 
And so uh, it is critical that that happens. And for Salty Jinx, uh, uh, 111, I'd say that uh, it just becomes an AAR and after action report every single day. Uh, it's just that uh, sit rep uh, or situation report uh, with your with your boy uh, every day. Yeah, that is great. Now we have uh, a couple more comments and then one more question and then we will shut her down for the night um, or the day, whatever it is right now. <laughs> Terminal City Training says, with my daughters, we held off on letting them have phones until they were 12. I wish we had waited longer. However, the late start did help, I think. They said they became, that said, they became very attached quite quickly. And now at 16 and 13, they're not, they're still not allowed social media, but they find plenty of other stuff to fixate online, which hundred percent is true. And now we, we got, did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but the boys didn't get cell phones until they were about 16. Yeah. That's uh, kind of where I'm sitting right now. My boys are, are uh, just, one's just about to turn 10 and one turn six. And uh, I'm, I, my wife and I talked about it and said, until they're able to afford their own cell phones, they're mm -hmm. not getting them. Mm -hmm. We're relative zealots in our house around this as well. Like my boy and I are in an epic battle right now about um, him not having a device. And I'm holding the line that he, he, there will be no devices until he's 13 and transitioning in towards grade eight. Um, and there's, we, man, we could do another whole episode on that for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, and we will, hold, we should hold, yeah. Yeah. terminal city training, hold the line, hold the line on the social media in particular. And we, yeah, there's sure. a lot of reasons for that. Okay, one more quick one. Uh, well, this is a, it's a longer question, but um, <laughs> it is a uh, it, it's worth the the hit on this because I think we need to. Carl says I was with uh, Big Brothers. I'm, I'm imagining for a long time, mentoring a kid is hard work, and I feel I missed the mark because I tried to show him outdoor things and show him life outside of video games. Since his family life, i.e., his mom and his grandma play video games, that's all he wants. It seems mentoring is hard to change the base. So, how do you change the baseline? when you were mentoring from the outside. Mm, uh, start following me on Instagram. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's how I do it. Yep. I mean, that's what I'm doing. Leadership by example. I, I don't like, I'm not going to show up at anyone's house and, and uh, spend several days explaining mentorship. I'm just doing it. If, if someone is picking up what I'm putting down, you're watching how to do it. And I'm not saying that I do it amazingly well, I'm not saying that I'm the best at it. I am saying that I'm making an effort to demonstrate how to mentor others online. Mm. If you're listening to the collective right now, which you are, then you're seeing the outcome of this effort. What we're doing at the collective is a direct result of me trying to mentor. So you're watching it in, in live and you're seeing me do it on the daily. And by the way, I haven't cracked any secrets. Every single freaking person on the planet can do exactly what I'm doing. Leadership by example. Do your best every day. It doesn't matter if you screw the day up. You're doing your best, and that's all kids need to see. Failure, they need to see it, but they need to know that you're doing your best even when you're failing. Mm -hmm. uh, so mentorship, how to start doing it better. I got start a quick mentoring. one, is that okay? <laughs> I'll try to explain got? this super fast. Um, in uh, one of the foundational principles is, is, is called start where they are. So your circle of influence is very, very small if the circle of concern about where to start is too big. Whereas in this case, starting where this kiddo is, like if mom and grandma play video games and this fellow who's working with this kid, if he gives him say, okay, we'll play video games for 10 minutes, but we're going to play it where I say we're going to play it. So we're going to do it 
right close to an outdoor, give them 10 minutes on a timer and then make the transition outside, then you've started where the kid was. And then that 10 minutes goes to eight minutes next time. Hey, remember how much fun we had? Let's just do this video game thing for eight minutes and then we'll get back out there and, and we'll do something that fired you up. And then slowly you just extinguish the thing you're trying to change and that new baseline gets replaced with what you were hopeful takes root. Yeah, I like that. I, uh, I had this little epiphany the other day as I was talking to Sean about was um, you, it's not about breaking bad habits or breaking old habits. It's about building new ones. Mm. And that was, the, I think that's the key is you got to build it you got to build something else rather than try to take something away. Yeah. That was a showstopper moment for sure. Mm -hmm. And, and not to push back too hard uh, Steve, but that's, I'll never run my program like that mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I, I don't have the time. Yeah. What, what you're suggesting and, and this may be for 99 mentors out of a hundred, your way is the best way, but it is absolutely yeah. the wrong way for me. And here's why for me to engage in it thoroughly, I have to also enjoy the process. For sure. And if that means that I've got to go wander off uh, to the, the location of choice of some kid while he sits there and does eight minutes on his video game instead of 10 minutes on his video game, it's a non-starter. Because now I'm reinforcing a way of life that I don't appreciate or agree with. And so it's not authentic to me. And therefore, that mentoring process is never how I would engage in the process. Though... It will work for 99 out of 100 other men who are way better mentors than I am. It would yeah. never work for me. But that's the beauty of the collective, right? Because Correct. if a kid has 10 choices and all 10 of us are doing something awesome towards improving mental health and improving, like just living, then everybody wins, right? Because your way is going right. to connect. My way is going to connect. Chance's way is going to connect. And that, that, that to me is just a beautiful thing when you have choice around these big, these big ticket items. I agree. And, and the choice is not, should I do it Steve way? Should I do it right. Sean way? Should I do it Chance way? What it is, as I see it, is that kid's going to do it his way. Right. 20% Steve, 10% Chance, 70% Sean. <laughs> <laughs> he wins. Well, we the kid wins. We, uh, the kid wins. That's it. Uh, 100%. Now, uh, one, two last comments here, or three last comments here. Salty hits back with Steve. We FaceTime almost every day. We play games twice a week. And when we're together, it's fishing, rucking, riding, and outdoor stuff. Nice. That is fantastic. Nice. Because, you know what? The thing is, games are a part of life nowadays. And if you want to have a healthy relationship with gaming, have a healthy relationship with gaming, but have a very healthy relationship with everything else as well yeah. that that uh, whole sentence reeks of mentorship and excellence yeah. yep. i don't like it it's making me feel like an underperformer <laughs> there you go salty you're making uh, sean feel like an underperformer uh and then terminal city says great idea for an episode thanks we will definitely hit that uh kids and social media that'll be a big one and carl says thank you now <clears throat> First off, we'll do some quick final thoughts. We're ten minutes over right now. Ah, we're uh, all right. It was a good. It was. It, it was, was a worthwhile. Great mm -hmm. Worthwhile for sure. Steve, any right. final thoughts on uh, anything we've gone over so far today? No, just a lot of. I'm just really grateful to be to be involved, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the chance to to speak to it. It is something that really does fire me up, and it's like my life's work, right? Like this is this is what I care about, and uh, so to have the opportunity to speak to it means a lot to me and uh so a lot of gratitude towards that and just if you're out there work on yourself work on your kids put the two together magic recipe yeah sean final thoughts yeah i love that steve uh the fact that you have you're so 
Mm. Passionate about what you do. You're proud of what you do, by the way. I mean, that comes across. And and I think that's an important um, point to raise that you are proud of the choices that you've made, the differences that you're making, the life trajectory that you're in, because it's of service. It's Mm. of value. And as you were speaking, you were speaking as a mentor, leadership by example is uh, how I see you in this podcast. And so uh, it was a great conversation and uh, hopefully you'll be back. Uh, back. Maybe once you get your next stripe. (laughs) 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 Uh, But sooner than when you get your next stripe, hopefully we can have you back uh, within the next uh, couple of weeks or so. That'd be great. I'd be happy to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I thank you again, Steve, for being on. It's been a great conversation. I think we've hit, well, we hit a lot of different realms in terms yeah. of youth mental health. And this is a massive subject that we will, we've just barely scratched the surface on. So we have lots more to go. We'll probably do another episode of just youth mental health, as well as um, kids and social media. That's another big one. Because it is very important to get into as well. You know, I'm thinking actually uh, kids and video games might be a good one as well. That's also a good one. You you could run that and I could just take the day off on that one. Yeah, see, the problem is I would get into the weeds as to like... You uh, would. (laughs) Nobody would be barking at you. Nobody would be barking at me. I would not be be held accountable by my friends. You wouldn't hold yourself accountable. Oh, that'd be a whole issue. You'd be talking about the 1987 Pong game. Man, when that came out, let me tell you. When it was 6-bit, not 12-bit. Let, let me break out ColecoVision. We'll dive into that. <laughs> um, so as we learn the connection between our kids and our mental health, as we build the bond between the two, we can grow as better men, better mentors, better people, just all around better as a collective. And you can do that with us here every day on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.